Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Friends, I would ask you to find in your copy of God's Word, Philippians chapter 4 in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 4 as we begin our message. And while you're finding that, let me remind you that this Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. we are kicking off our spring semester of discipleship opportunities, uh, a myriad of discipleship opportunities here at Crossgate Church. Uh, Certainly we will be launching another semester of re-engage, our marriage enrichment and discipleship ministry. Uh, That takes place Wednesdays throughout the spring for for one semester. A tremendous opportunity wherever you are in your marriage, whether you're here or you're here or you're here, you spend one semester and re-engage with our wonderful and very talented ministry uh, marriage team, and I will tell you, your marriage will be that much better and and healthier going forward. Uh, We also have Regeneration, known as Regen for short. This is actually a year-long discipleship opportunity that helps people, no matter who they are, and no matter what their background may be, uh, to to press in for more of God, to deal with and uncover issues and and baggage and different things in your life. Listen, we've all got baggage, amen? All right, and Regen has already proven to be a tremendous opportunity. That also meets Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8, right here at Crossgate. The ladies will be gathering for our women's ministry, uh, taking a look at the second half of the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, and then I will be leading a study uh, that I'm simply calling a tale of two men. This is for our men's ministry downstairs uh, from 6.30 to 8, looking in the Old Testament lives of Saul and David. So, man, you don't want to miss that if you have the opportunity to attend. We're also doing a New Testament survey. Lynn Oswalt led a tremendous Old Testament survey in the fall. And uh, very well attended, and now he's going to be doing a New Testament survey on Wednesday nights. And then Financial Peace University, we can all use a little financial peace. So that opportunity is also available at 6.30. By the way, we will resume our Wednesday night house of prayer right here in the worship center this Wednesday starting from 6 to 6.25. So if your schedule permits, we'd love to have you come and spend some time in prayer with us. House of prayer on Wednesday nights right here at 6 p.m. And then let's not forget Holy Ground. Holy Ground provides the best meal anywhere in Garland County on Wednesday nights from 5 to 5.30 right in our coffee shop. Some of you may be aware that last year, AAA awarded Holy Ground the coveted four-diamond dining excellent experience. You don't want to miss that. Well, that might or might not have happened, okay, for real. But nevertheless, come to Holy Grounds. You will get a tremendous meal at a tremendous price Wednesdays from 5 to 6.30. Now, heard a story, talking about stuff that might or might not have happened, ha ha ha, uh, <laughs> I heard a story not long ago about a man who went to the emergency room. He walked into the emergency room, and the right side of his face was burned up and red. I mean, just like he had been burned, significantly burned, and, and the left side of his face and his ear were also significantly burned. He walked in, the doctors and nurses began to, to doctor him up and so forth, and they said, what in the world happened? He said, I got to tell you, I, I have been so stressed lately, just so filled with anxiety and worry, I haven't really been able to think straight. And I w- this morning, I was furiously trying to get ready for work, thinking about all the stuff going on that day. And I had my ironing board out, and I set my phone at the end of the ironing board, and I'm furiously ironing my shirt, trying to get it ironed. And the phone rang, and I just, just in, in, my, in my worry and frustration, I answered the iron rather than the phone. 
and they said, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. I can't believe that happened. I'm so sorry for you. But that explains why the right side of your face is burned up. Why is the left side of your face burned up? And the guy said, because they called back. Now, I know that probably didn't happen for real, but the fact is, sometimes we are so stressed up with no place to go that we can't even think straight. Have you ever been there? I've been there. And so most of us here, and by the way, you don't have to be in the ministry long to know that most people, when they step onto a church campus, they bring burdens with them. Did you know that? There, there are stressors and anxieties in the hearts of people listening to the sound of my voice right now. You just, you, you don't know where to go. And you're just here, you just barely made it to church. Let's just be honest, you just barely made it to church this morning, and you need a word of peace. Isn't that right? I mean, so many of us, that's exactly what we need. We need a word of peace, and so I've got that word for you this morning, straight from the Scripture, Philippians chapter 4. Many of you know this passage well. Listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So one of the things that I've shared with you during this uh, series, 31 Days of Prayer this month, is that every message is going to basically have two points. Uh, we're going to talk about principles, and we're going to talk about practices, specifically from our scripture that day. The reason why we're going to do that is because in many cases, you go and hear a message or a teaching on prayer, and you walk out saying, yeah, I probably need to pray more. But you don't really receive some practical thoughts and guidelines for how to make prayer a greater reality in your life. So that's why we're going to talk about the principles for sure, but we're also going to talk about some practices related to how you find peace through prayer. So let's hit a couple of the principles, the first of which is this, it's pretty simple, prayer leads to joy. Look in verse 4, prayer leads to joy. We're told to rejoice in the Lord and again to rejoice. So that's kind of like two scoops of joy. That's like a heaping helping of joy. That's like a, a super combo meal of joy with some joy on the side, right? And who doesn't want that? But notice also, it says rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. So we're not finding this joy just anywhere. We're finding it specifically in the Lord. And remember, prayer, this is something we've said every week now in this series, prayer begins with who God is, not necessarily what God does. That comes later. But prayer primarily focuses on who God is. And I hope you're beginning to see some overlap here. That there's some overlap in all of these messages. Two weeks ago, we gave a message about seeking God in prayer from Jeremiah 33. Call to me, and I will answer you. It's, it's, it's grounded in who God is. Call to me, Yahweh, that personal, relational name for God. Last week, John 15, abide in Jesus. We're the branches. He's the vine. We're abiding in who Jesus is. That joy always begins with who God is. And here's why. Because God never changes. God never changes. He remains the same. Jesus Christ, I think it's Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so the joy that we receive does not come from the circumstances around us, but rather it comes from God who never changes. 
Think about the difference between emotional happiness and the joy in, in Jesus, okay? Emotional happiness, and many pastors have made this comparison before, emotional happiness is like a thermometer. You know, a thermometer, all it can do is, is register and gauge conditions, right? The thermometer is largely a slave to the atmosphere. Think about it in those terms, right? And so sometimes the thermometer is up, sometimes it's down, and if you're in Arkansas, it's up or down at least 10 times in the same week, right? It's all over the place, and that's emotional happiness. Sometimes you, you feel with happiness, wonderful, we love it, but in other times you feel very low, and so your life is almost like a thermometer if that's what you're based on. It's like a roller coaster. You're up, you're down, you're doing loop-de-loops and corkscrews and all the rest. On the other hand, joy that is grounded in who God is, the joy of the Lord, is more like a thermostat. You know, a thermostat doesn't just measure conditions, it sets conditions. It provides a consistent atmosphere that's not too hot and it's not too cold, but it's just right. That's the joy of the Lord. And we find that through prayer. You, when you press in for more of God and seek God in prayer, that's when you begin to find that the joy of the Lord is where it's at, not just in emotional happiness. Okay, so prayer leads to joy. Here's the second thing. This is very important. Listen to this. Prayer prevents a prickly personality. Prayer prevents a prickly personality. Look back in the scripture. Right? He says, rejoice in the Lord, let your what? Your gentleness be made known to all. Let everyone know, let your reputation be one of gentleness. What is gentleness? Well, in this context, gentleness is basically this. You might want to write this down. An emotionally consistent walk with God that exudes peace. Okay? An emotionally consistent walk with God that exudes peace. Could that be said of you? Is there an emotional consistency? I'm not asking you if you're a robot, okay? But I'm just asking, is there an emotional consistency about your life that, that, that just that exudes peace? Or would a lot of people describe you more as an inconsistently prickly person? You, you know what I mean by that, right? See, because some of you here, your, your reputation is one of kind of being a prickly person. And I'll be honest, there's people in your life, whether they be coworkers, family members, or whatever, they, they say this behind your back. They say, I'm not really sure which person we're going to get today, right? I'm, just, I'm not sure which person we're going to get today. Sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're just, I mean, as prickly as can be. And, and, and they just they have to tiptoe around you, and, and, and you, you don't even receive things when, when people share things with you, maybe a, a, a minor, uh, humble word of correction. You won't even receive that. Oh, I can't believe... You're, you're so easily angered. That's a, that's a prickly personality. By the way, when you're in leadership, as many of you are, you, you're used to talking about talent management, Right? I mean, we talk about people on our teams and so forth, whether it's at your business or a church or whatever, talent management. And I will tell you that if, if, you, if your reputation is one of a prickly personality, you are only going to be of limited value to your organization. Did you know that? Right? I mean, at, at church, right? I mean, we have all kinds of people at our church, and, and, and the people who have the prickly personalities, the reputation for being emotionally prickly, they're, they are only going to be of limited utilization in the body of Christ. I will tell you this also. 
If someone has a prickly personality and that's their reputation, two things are most likely true of that person. One, they probably don't have a sustained, meaningful prayer life, and two, they're probably not experiencing and enjoying peace in their hearts. And I got it. There's, there's all kinds of reasons why people have prickly personalities. It may be anxieties, it may be insecurities, it may be fears, whatever. But the fact is that a sustained life of prayer, and I mean pressing in a consistent way with God, will often and most often prevent a prickly personality. Here's the third principle straight from the Scripture. Okay, The third principle is this, prayer makes Jesus real to you. Look back in the Scripture, Philippians chapter 4. He says four words, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Underscore that in your Bible. The Lord is near. Now, grammatically, that could mean Jesus is about to return or Jesus is fixing to come back, right? And and certainly there's an expectation, an eager expectation for the return of Jesus in the book of Philippians, but I think it means something more than that. When he says the Lord is near, I believe the emphasis is on a, a close, meaningful, relational proximity a, a, a relational reality with Jesus. Jesus is very real to me. Now, you don't get there unless your prayer life is a very robust prayer life. Right? To, to have Jesus as, as, as an incredible reality in your life, Jesus is so real to me, you don't get there without prayer. Well, what does that look like anyway? I mean, if, 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 if we were to say that Jesus Christ was exceptionally real to someone, what does that look like? Well, many of you know, it's no secret that my, my all-time hero was not an athlete or not some military commander or what have you, uh, or politician. My all-time hero was a pastor named Adrian Rogers. He pastored in Memphis for over 30 years. He passed away about 15 years ago, went on to glory. But I mean, just a tremendous, gifted pastor and leader, but more so just a deep man of God. And, uh, and I will tell you, it is very difficult to know in the lives of any of these big-shot celebrity preachers out there what really goes on in their private lives. We don't know. That's why some of these guys have moral failures. We have no idea what they're doing behind the scenes. But I will tell you, I know enough about Adrian Rogers to know that he was the absolute real deal, and he'd give all the glory uh, to the Lord. That said, just a few years ago, his ministry that still broadcasts his message to this day is called Love Worth Finding. They put a little video together, about a three-minute video, It's got some clips of him speaking and some voiceover stuff. The first half of the video is kind of an evangelistic appeal where he's just inviting people to come to Jesus and trust Christ. But then the second half of the video, he starts talking about who Jesus was to him and the realities of Jesus Christ in his life. I tell you, it's a powerful three minutes worth our time, so I'm going to ask you to watch the screen and remember, prayer makes Jesus real to you. Listen to what he has to say. I'm speaking to some here today. You may be a banker, a lawyer. You may be a professor. You may be an entrepreneurial businessman or woman. I can tell you with authority today that Jesus is seeking you. I don't believe it's incidental or accidental that you're in this service today or listening by television or tape. God is seeking you. And by the dear Holy Spirit of God, if you will listen, there's a still small voice in you that is inclining your heart to worship Him. You can stultify, 
and smother that voice if you will. But God is reaching out to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and the bride say, come, bring to him your weakness. Bring to him your fears. Bring to him your failures. Bring to him your heartaches. Bring it all to Jesus. Jesus throws open his arms to you today and says, are you thirsty? Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Don't wait till you're better. Don't wait till you're stronger. Come to Jesus. Jesus is my dearest friend. He is more real to me than you are. I talk to him far more than I talk to you. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that I love him with all of my heart. He is the Son of God who left heaven, came to this earth, suffered, bled, and died, walked out of that grave, a living, risen Savior. And he's the one who sent me to tell you that he loves you and he wants to save you and that he will save you today if you give him your heart. I don't know about you, but I, I wish I knew Jesus like that. But I know this much. You'll never know Jesus like that apart from prayer. It's impossible to have that kind of reality of Jesus Christ in your life without a, a life of sustained prayer. So those are some principles. But let's talk briefly about the practices. Let's talk about some practical things just that leap off the page from Philippians chapter 4. The first of which is simply this. Sustained prayer is greater than contingency prayer. Sustained prayer beats contingency prayer. So you may remember over the last few weeks we've been talking about sustained prayer and what that means, and we define that as an uninterrupted, unhurried, consistent, private time with God in prayer. And, uh, and, and so sustained prayer is, is, is the best kind of prayer. Now, I got it. And, and by the way, my wife, my dear, my dear wife pointed this out to me this week. She said, you know, honey, there's different seasons of life allow for different types of sustained prayer. And she said, for example, when our kids were babies, um, you know, I had like, I mean, there was no uninterrupted <laughs> unhurried, consistent time for anything in our home. When, 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 when our children were babies and very small children, and she said, you know, but, but God, God ministers to young mothers, for example, 
in ways that he allows sustained prayer, even when they're nursing their child or they're, they're caring for their little one or, or what have you. And she made a great point. She shared a scripture verse with me. I don't think I'd ever seen it. Certainly I'd seen it, but I don't remember it. Uh, it's in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. Look at this. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Ladies, if you're here with small children in your home, God sees you, God hears you, God wants to be with you as you are with him as well. So there is sustained prayer, right? Sustained prayer beats contingency prayer. You say, what's contingency prayer? Okay, contingency prayer is when we get desperate in the moment of crisis and we just say, God, please help me, right? And, and it kind of in case of emergency, break glass and pray. Have you been there? I, I've been there. We, we've all been there, right? And there's nothing wrong with contingency praying. We should call out to God. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. But if the vast majority or the lion's share of your prayer life is just contingency praying, you're missing out on a whole other level of, of intimacy and communion with God, right? And here's the problem with contingency. If, if, if the vast majority of your praying is just contingency praying, here's the problem. When the contingency goes away, guess what else goes away? Your prayer life, right? You've you got to have more than just some quick, God, I need you in this moment. Case in point, okay? Just talking about the, the temporality of contingency praying. Two weeks ago, uh, the safety for the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin, took a shot and went into cardiac arrest right on the field of Monday Night Football. I mean, he just took a shot to the chest, and he collapsed. And immediately, they started working on him. The ambulance rolled up. Many of you, let's put that picture up there. Many of you remember seeing this in the news. Uh, you know, they, they had, they had this, this impromptu prayer huddle with, with dozens, if not hundreds, of players and coaches and so forth just coming to, to prayer. Meanwhile, the ambulance was on the field, and, and they're carting him off right there. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, an ESPN analyst on Mo uh, Monday Night Football Live, who's a great Christian guy, as far as I know, uh, he basically said, look, we're talking a lot about praying, let's just pray. And Dan just led everybody in prayer on ESPN. And then, just last weekend, you had several prayer huddles taking place before games, praying specifically for DeMar. And, and he, he got out of the hospital, and he slowly headed in the right direction. I will tell you, for what it's worth, that warmed my heart, Okay. To see people going to the Lord in prayer warmed my heart. But here's the deal. All of this, contingency prayer, right? Contingency prayer. Are we going to see this every week for football games? No, of course not, because it's based on the contingency. And when the contingency goes away, guess what? So does the prayer. All right, so here's two questions for you, just a quick little self-assessment. Two questions to help you to better understand if, if your prayer life is contingency or sustained prayer. All right, here's the first question. What percentage of your prayer life would you say is contingency praying, and what percentage of your prayer life is what I would call sustained prayer? Remember sustained prayer, that unhurried, uninterrupted, consistent, private time with God, regardless of the circumstances? That's a good question. Is it 50-50, 60-40, Only you and the Lord know. Here's the second question. All right. Rate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being, I ain't got a prayer life. 10 being, man, I'm just, I am living in, a, in an unbelievable state of, of intimacy with God in prayer. Okay, Just think about that. Now, think about this. 
Talk about your anxiety level, your score. One being, I'm cool, calm, and collected. Ten being, man, I got my hair's on fire, okay, or somewhere in between. Most likely, if your prayer score is high, your anxiety score is going to be low. If your anxiety score is high, I'm willing to wager, if I was a betting man, that your prayer score is probably not what it could be or should be, right? So I want you to think about that. Think about the difference between contingency prayer and sustained prayer. When sustained prayer beats it every single time. Here's the second thing. Watch this. Second thing is this. Keep it mostly on channel two when you pray. You say, what do you mean channel two? All right, some of y'all remember when there was literally only three channels to watch on television, right? I mean, literally, there, were like, there was no cable, no satellite, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. There was three channels. That's it. Well, did you know when it comes to your life and, and your prayer life and, and your anxieties and all the rest, there's only three channels in your life? Did you know that? Right? Okay, so first of all, there's channel one. Channel one is the past, stuff that's happened in the past. And I'll be honest, there's some good shows on channel one. There are some really good shows on Channel One. I think about some of the wonderful blessings in our family, my wife, my children, fun times we've had together, God's blessings of deliverance and times of crisis and all the rest. So there's some good shows on Channel One, but there's also some scary shows too, especially late at night, right? There's some scary shows on Channel One, things like sins that, that, that I committed in the past or things that I did to other people that was not right or things that other people did to me or challenges and adversities and struggles. And, and, and sometimes we like to stay up late at night and binge watch Channel One. We just keep going back to Channel One over and over and over again. Now, there's also Channel Three. Now, Channel Three deals with the future. Okay? And can we all just, just be honest this morning and say we probably watch way too much of Channel Three? We, we probably spend way too much time thinking and dwelling on what might happen whether it's something good or bad. We just, we spend, we binge watch Channel 3. And yes, we should be planning for the future. We should be prayerfully planning, putting things away, saving and all the rest. But listen to me. So much of our peace is robbed when we spend too much time on Channel 3. Did you know that? Yes, if you spend too much time dwelling on the future, you're going to miss God's best in the present, which is Channel 2, by the way. That's, that's why... God wants us to spend the majority of our prayer energies on channel two. Abiding in him, resting in him, being filled with the Holy Spirit and all the rest. In fact, let's just look. This is why I say the present is where God wants us to spend most of our time on this television set. Look at this. First of all, relying on the Father, right? Matthew chapter six, the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a present reality. That's not give us our bread two weeks from now, but rather give us this day our daily bread. We're relying on the Father on channel two, and then of course abiding in Jesus, right? John 15, we gave it to you last week, I'm going to give it to you again. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Present tense, abide in me, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5, verse 18. Look at this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled, that's all present tense, be filled 
with the Spirit. So that little television uh, illustration, I heard a pastor give that several years ago. I will tell you this, it is deceptively simple. Deceptively simple. There's only three channels, past, present, future. I got it, pastor. You're going to come back to that in a couple days, and you're going to say, wow, that's deep. Because God has spoken to me this week, my friends, about my own weakness in constantly tuning in to channel three. Constantly tuning in to channel three, right? So channel two is where God wants you, in prayer, in the present, seeking him, and trusting God. That's the last practice. Look at this. Trust God. It's that simple. Look at the last verse, all right? The last two verses, actually, in Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, make your requests made known to God. And the peace of God, that surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, sometimes you just simply got to trust God in prayer. You've got to trust him, knowing that he infuses everything with purpose. Even the things that are causing you grief and anxiety and worry and all the rest, he infuses everything with purpose. Now think about some specific things that are said in those last two verses. First of all, in prayer, that's the vertical, that, that word prayer is specifically used in the Bible to talk about our praying to God personally. But also, supplication. Supplication is just a fancy word. It's a $5 theological word that means praying for other people. You're just, you're praying for other people. How many of you know that when you're dealing with some challenge in your life, one of the best things you can do is start praying for other people? You know why that's so important? One, because it gets your mind off of what's going on in your life, and you're, you're, you're helping someone else to bear their burden, right? You're praying for other people. By the way, God also uses that in many cases to remind you that you ain't got it as bad as you think you do. Because there's always going to be somebody out there that's got it worse, and, and God brings that to your attention. Say, look, I'm helping them. I'm going to help you. And speaking of that, look at Thanksgiving. He says, with Thanksgiving. How many of you know that in the midst of, of stress and anxiety, it is, it is super easy to forget about what God has already done for us, right? We're, we're so focused on what we, what we need God to do, and, and, and we need God to show up in this way and, and, and give us a breakthrough over here. We sometimes forget and overlook the fact that God has already done a lot for us, right? And, and so what, one of the great medicines that we can take when we're facing this over here is simply say, God, I just want to take a moment to thank you for how good you've been to me in, in this way, in this way, in this way, in this way. That's why he talks about Thanksgiving. But you realize that at the end of the day, prayer and only prayer can take you to a place where you receive the peace of God that transcends understanding and explanation. Peace. I look in the faces of people as I look in the mirror and I see a desperate need for peace. You know, peace begins with Jesus. You can't, you can't know peace apart from Jesus Christ. I could not say it any better than Adrian Rogers said it on that video. You come to Jesus. Jesus is seeking you. Jesus is seeking you. Are you here today? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life where you have personally, and I mean meaningfully, said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose out of that grave bodily, physically, three days later. Jesus, I believe you're holding out a free gift of eternal life and salvation to me right now. And Jesus, I want to receive that gift. Has there been a time when you personally said yes to Jesus Christ in faith 
And do you know with absolute certainty that if you died today, you'd be in heaven with Jesus? Do you have that certainty? If not, as we like to say at Crossgate, your next step, or should I say your first step, is to trust Jesus Christ and get that salvation settled. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.